What's going on everyone? My name is DeAndre and welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. I'm so glad that you're joining us for this stream. I pray that you are blessed, that you're challenged because there is so much in Mark chapter 5 and it is impossible for us to cover cover this chapter in its entirety. So I want to challenge you, get a physical copy of your Bible and sit, take some time to sit with this chapter. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak and minister to you because he can break this chapter down better than I ever could and show you exactly what it is that you need. And like Pastor Marco preached a couple weeks ago, our greatest need is Jesus himself. And we see that all throughout these 43 verses in chapter 5. It is a story of people that need Jesus from all different types and backgrounds to different walks of life. You had a man who was under demonic oppression. You had a local president, leader of a synagogue. And you had a woman who was outcast and had a serious medical condition. And every single one of them needed Jesus. And so... Mark chapter 5 is for people that have experienced loss, disappointment, pain, suffering, heartbreak. And through the midst of all of that, there's one consistent thing, that Jesus is there, that he brings hope, that he brings peace, and he will see you through this and give you the strength that you need for being in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through. So don't give up. Jesus sees you. He is for you. Things may be hard. They may be confusing. They may be dark. I know it's not easy. But Jesus is with you and you are not alone. You know, if I had to give this Bible study a title tonight, I would title it, What Side Are You On? Because in two times in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus crossed over to the other side. And on two sides of this lake, there are two crowds, two groups of people. One of them was afraid and pushed Jesus out of their life. And on the other side, where people leaned in to Jesus and found healing and resurrection to some dead things in their life. What side are you on? Do you allow your fear to put a barrier between you and our Savior? Do you allow what you're going through to dictate your response to Jesus? Or do you lean in regardless of what you're going through and trust in the only one that can truly hear you and bring peace to your soul? So on one side of the lake, Jesus performs this crazy miracle. He casts demons out of a man, tosses them into a pig. Pigs, 2,000, they go off the side of a cliff and drown. And the community is afraid. And when I read that, the question that I ask is, what were pigs doing in a Jewish community in the first place? If you know anything about the Levitical law, which is the law in the Old Testament, the Jewish law given... Jews were commanded to not associate with pigs. They were unclean. They would defile them. And we know through reading throughout the Gospels that Jesus did most of his ministry in Galilee, which was around this area. And this area was heavily influenced by the Gentiles. This area was as unchurched as unchurched gets. These people had some pigs. They had some unclean things in their lives. And here comes Jesus turning on the light, here to expose, to heal, and people were afraid. I don't know about you, but if I can be real, I know there are some things in my life that if I didn't lean in, if I don't continuously go to the feet of Jesus and allow him to heal me, it would put up a barrier hard in my heart and I would be afraid. What are the things in your life that, Maybe you're afraid of being exposed. These people had pigs in their community. 
What is a pig in your community, in your heart, in your life, that you need Jesus to allow to die in the waters of his spirit? Don't be like that one side of people that were afraid, intimidated, and asked Jesus to leave. Be like the people on the other side of the lake that leaned in and regardless of what they were feeling, chose to trust Jesus and approach him with boldness even though they were afraid. So Jesus, he leaves this community and crosses over to the other side where he encounters two individuals in a crowd. One of them was a man of honor, respect, authority, and the other was a woman who had shame, guilt, a serious medical condition, and was unclean and an outcast of her society. Both of them had a need. Both of them needed a savior. Both of them needed Jesus, and both of them knew he was the only one that could do something about their predicament. It doesn't matter where you are in the social, economic uh, ladder. We all need Jesus. We all have things in our life that need to be healed and resurrected. So Jarius, the first individual, a man of honor in his community, how do I know this? Because he was a leader of the local synagogue, the Bible says. I don't know if he was rich, but he definitely was well off, had resources, had respect, had connections, but there was something in his life that he couldn't do with the influence that he had. He had a daughter who was sick. And so, but, and it's not like she just had a common cold. Because what would cause this man of respect and adoration in his community to fall at the feet of Jesus and beg him pleading? And you got to remember the political and religious climate of what's going on right here. Just a chapter before, the other religious elite are already planning on killing Jesus. So this would have been the colleagues of this man, Jarius, and he didn't care what they would have thought or what they would have done to him. He had a need and was desperate. Sometimes it doesn't matter what people are going to say or do to you. Sometimes you need to block that out and just come to the feet of Jesus and you got to be desperate enough to get on your hands and knees at home, to open up your Bible at work, to go on a break and just pray to come to the altar on a Sunday or a Saturday service and just pour your heart up before Jesus and say, I need you to come through because if you don't, I don't know what will happen. This man didn't care about his colleagues, his friends, his other political friends and leaders. He came to Jesus. He begged, was desperate, and he probably felt something he hadn't felt in a very long time because of his situation, hope because Jesus agreed to go with him to heal his daughter. And so on the way, crowds are coming around them. And I don't know about you, put yourself in Jairus' shoes. You were on your way to go bring the healer to heal your daughter and people are around. It must've been noisy, it must've been annoying. This isn't a time for hype. This isn't a time for being derailed or stopped. We're on mission. I am on my way to get my breakthrough. And in the middle of all this commotion, Jarius turns around and sees Jesus stopped. And Jesus says something crazy that if you were there probably wouldn't even made sense. He said, who touched me? Um, everybody? You're in the middle of a crowd. People are pressing in. Everybody wants a piece of you, Jesus. Everybody wants to know about who you are. But he understood that somebody touched him with faith. 
There are a lot of people on this earth right now that are curious about Jesus, that seek Jesus, that want to know more about this Christianity thing. But there's a difference between people that try Jesus and are interested in Jesus and people that are desperate and need him for who he truly is. That takes being vulnerable. That takes having faith. And that takes taking a step of action. And that's what happened with this woman, the Bible says, who had suffered at the hands of doctors because she had an issue that they couldn't heal. Every single one of us has an issue. Something deep within us that is wrong that only Jesus can heal. For this woman, it was a medical condition, but she was human. So she battles the same as that thing that every single one of us battles, and that's sin. You know, going back to the beginning of chapter uh, one, I mean of chapter five, Jesus encounters this demon, this man that was possessed by demons. And the Bible says here that no one was strong enough to subdue him. We all have someone deep within us that no one is strong enough to subdue. That old nature, that old man. Only Jesus can conquer that sin nature within us and he already did it on the cross. So this woman gets a healing because she stepped forward in faith even though she was afraid. In verse 33 it says, then she was frightened, trembling, but she still came to the feet of Jesus and received her healing. On one side of the lake, people were afraid and pushed Jesus away. On the other side, this woman was afraid, but she pressed forward still. In James chapter 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. People on one side were afraid of being exposed in punishment, but this woman knew there was more. She receives her healing. And right in the middle of this miracle, Jarius receives word that his daughter had died. I don't know about you, just because we know the end of the story doesn't change the pain, hurt, disappointment, and suffering in the middle. This man's daughter had just died. I can't imagine what that type of loss feels. They say that the trauma and pain of losing a loved one, especially a son or daughter or a spouse, nothing comes close to that. The people that came and gave this word says, don't even bother Jesus. It's done. Maybe you get those thoughts sometimes. Don't even bother going to church. Don't even bother going to crew. Don't even bother praying to open up your word. You know what you did. You know what's happened to you. You know what you lost. There's no getting that back. And Jesus' response was, don't be afraid, have faith. You see the pattern here? In each and every single one of these encounters, fear was there. But the difference between the people on one side was their fear pushed Jesus away. And the fear on the other side draw them closer to Jesus. And I'm sure he didn't just get this news and then Jesus was like, oh, don't be afraid. No, I'm sure it was a couple of minutes where he got down and he sat with this man who just experienced great loss, was present with him. And says, trust me, have faith. 
This man, Jairus, just witnessed a miracle and experienced death, experienced loss. Have you ever been there? Well, you hear the testimonies of other people, but what about me, God? Maybe jealousy creeped up in his heart. Let's be real. You are on your way to go see your daughter get healed, and then Jesus stops. And because of that interruption, his daughter died. Maybe he was disappointed with God, was confused. I don't know about you, but I've been there. See, Jairus thought he was going to see his daughter get healed, but Jesus has something in mind. He came to bring life. He wasn't just going to heal her. He was going to resurrect her. And I think Jesus was making a bold statement. He has everything in control. He is not in a rush. And he has more than enough time to heal somebody else and come through for you. And it may not be the way that you want it to be. Jesus says to this woman in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. I don't know who needs to hear this, but whatever you're going through, there is a set time where Jesus is going to say, it's over. This too shall pass. Take heart, have faith, because I have overcome the world. Faith isn't just wishful thinking or good vibes. It is the strongest thing in existence. Why? Because it is in who Jesus is. So Jairus gets this good news, but he still chooses to go forward with Jesus. And so Jesus comes to the house of this synagogue leader. And it says here in verse 38, when Jesus saw all the commotion and weeping and wailing, he said, why all this commotion and weeping? This child isn't dead. She's asleep. And then the crowd laughed at him. So he made them all leave. And then it says that he only took his three disciples into the room and the parents, kicked everybody else out. There are some things in your life that are going to require you to get focused and not allow just anybody or anything into your life. There are some seasons in life where it's just like, I can't be around that stuff. I can't take this stuff into my life because I need to set the atmosphere of my soul, of my house. So that way Jesus can work the way he wants to work. You know, I think it's no coincidence that on one side there was pigs in the community and then on the other side Jesus gets things out. You know, pigs are some of the only animals that will literally eat anything. You could throw anything into a thing of pigs and they'll take it all in. Don't just allow anything into your life. Don't just allow anything into your heart, into your home. You've got to cut some things out, remove some things, maybe even remove some people. So that way Jesus can move in an atmosphere of faith in your heart, in your mind, in your life. So Jesus sets the atmosphere. And then he says, little girl, get up. And instantaneously, the Bible says, the girl stood up and walked around. And you know, in verse 42, it leaves this little detail. It says that the little girl who was 12 years old, 
in at 12, from 12 to 13 in Jewish culture. This was a time of transition from being a kid to literally being an adult. This was a time, they call it the bar mitzvah, where they, it's like a coming of age ceremony. And I actually have the definition of a bar mitzvah right here. It says, this ceremony marks the time when a boy or girl becomes a Jewish adult. This means that they are now responsible for their own actions, faith, and can decide for themselves how they would like to practice Judaism. This is incredible. Think about this. The leader of a local synagogue who had the responsibility of teaching an entire community about following Yahweh, about following the one true living God, encountered firsthand what the true living God has come to do, to heal sickness, but to bring life to death. That's a, tr a change in how you approach and understand our God. And this daughter who is now at that pivotal point in her life where she's getting ready to go into adulthood knows firsthand Jesus resurrected me. And that would completely change the trajectory of her life for not to just go into religion, but to have a relationship with God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who you are, but Jesus does and he's with you. Your suffering has an end date. Your pain, your confusion, the questions. God is not afraid of your questions. What you've lost, Jesus is right there with you. The Bible says that everything that the enemy has stolen, God has come to redeem. So what side are you on? We all have fear. We all have doubts, but doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Self is. When you take matters into your own hands and make things happen. But we all know where that gets us. Each and every single one of us needs the hand of God over our lives. You know, that's what Jairus said when he came to Jesus. Will you come and lay your hands on my daughter? What a powerful prayer to pray. Parents, pray for your children that the hand of God, the hand of Jesus will touch them every single day of their lives. But don't just stop there. Jesus, I need you to lay your hands on my heart to get rid of those unclean things that I've allowed into my house, into my heart, into my mind, into my life. Put your hand on my mind so that the anxiety, the stress, the depression, the fears and worries will become less and less as you become greater and greater. What is the focus of your life? What you focus on becomes greater. You can have the littlest thing, but the closer you focus on, it's all that takes up your, per your perspective. But the further back you get, the closer you get to Jesus and away from that thing, the smaller and smaller it becomes. It didn't change in size. But now I can see. So put your focus on Jesus. Allow him to become greater and watch the things of this world become smaller. And I want to end with saying this. We have an enemy. He is real. You can read this and say, oh, I've never seen somebody with demonic oppression. Just because we're not seeing people possessed 
like this does not mean that there isn't such thing as demonic influence. We live in the greatest country in the world. Why are we so angry? Why are divorce rates, suicide rates, depression, anxiety, loneliness? Where do those things come from? It sure ain't God. Just because we're established and intellectual and we have technology and we are so advanced and we are so self-sufficient, we play ourselves and convince ourselves that we don't need anything. And that could, couldn't be further from the truth. We all have a great need within us. And if we could be honest and humble enough to open up our hearts and invite Jesus in, he will change everything and meet that great need that we all have. There is demonic influence. We experience it every single day, the thoughts that come, the feelings that come. But we have a greater one, an advocate, the Holy Spirit, God himself with us. Jesus is on the throne. Put your faith in him. He is with you and he is for you. So how do we take action from this? How do we apply what we've read in these 43 verses? I think the first main takeaway is, what are we doing in our lives to create space and room for God to heal us and to bring us closer into intimacy with him? Because is that not the goal? We're all concerned with where we're going. Jesus isn't. When you're in him, he knows where we're going. Eternity with him one day. <laughs> we get so concerned with what's going to happen next year and the year after that and five years from now and 10 years, da, 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 da. we're going to die and then go to heaven one day or he's gonna come back in that time space. So if we know ultimately where we're gonna end up, that gives us peace in the moment to be present, to make the most of where we're at, to bring his kingdom here, to show people that there's a better way of living, there's a true way of living, and I found him in the person of Jesus, not just a person that was a good teacher, moral guy back then, the living God. I've met him, I've encountered him, and he's changed me forever. So I'm gonna walk with him today and every day until that one day when I'm in his presence. There is a set day and time where every pain, struggle that we've gone through will be over. But until that day, we're still gonna experience hurt. We're still gonna experience loss. The day to day is not gonna be easy, but you're not alone. And you best believe it's gonna be worth it. So don't you give up. Don't you give up on your marriage. Don't you give up on your kids. Don't you give up on your future. Don't you give up on your dreams. Don't you give up with what God has trusted you with. Don't diminish it. Don't marginalize it. There is nothing more important than you staying surrendered and trusting Jesus. So what are you doing to create room for the Holy Spirit to work in your life? The Bible app is great. Get a physical Bible. Every single day. Doesn't matter if it's a verse, a couple of verses, a chapter, a couple of chapters. If you read three chapters a day, every day, you'll read the entire Bible in a year. But it's not just about getting the word. It's not just getting in, about getting in the word. It's about getting the word in you. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God and the word became flesh. Jesus doesn't disassociate himself from his word. I remember there was a time in my life where I was like, God, what are you saying? And I felt in my spirit, how can you know what I'm saying when you don't know what I've said? As Christians, there is nothing more vital than building our lives on the word and in community. We can't do this alone. So join a crew. This is the first week of crews this week. 
You can sign up online. You can sign up this Sunday at the Connect Corner. And it may be afraid, especially for us men. We don't like to be vulnerable. But we need each other. And I'm going to be the first one to say this church is not perfect. New Life South Coast, this community is not perfect, but we're real and we love Jesus and we are for you. You have more people in your corner than you know. And we're that crowd, not just a crowd, a community where we gather around Jesus, where we're connected to each other and we are here to go deeper in what he has for us and who he is. So be disciplined. You know, we talk about the solid 15, five minutes in worship, five minutes in the word, five minutes in prayer, but that's just a starting point. Build your life on the word. It brings confusion. It cancels the lies of the enemy. It shows you who God truly is and who you are. Clears the fog so you can see people and things and situations the way God sees them through the, line, through the lens of grace. You're not alone. Hey, church, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for who you are, Jesus. I thank you for every single person that is tuning in for this Bible study. I pray, Lord, that your peace is overwhelming their hearts, their homes, their minds, their lives. And that your love is overwhelming them and washing over them as well. I pray, God, that you bring strength and healing to the places where we are sick. And you bring resurrection life to the areas and the things that are dead and need to be brought to life. You killed the pigs, but you rose the girl to life. May you kill and let the things in our lives that are not of you to die, and may you resurrect the things that need resurrection. I pray peace in families and homes, that we will stop fighting each other and start fighting for each other. I pray that the marriages are strong, that as you become greater in our hearts and in our lives, that you are bringing us closer to you and to each other. I pray, God, that you are giving us understanding of who it is that you are, I pray fresh revelation, fresh encounters with you, Jesus. A hunger for your word, a hunger for prayer, a hunger for worship, a hunger for being close to you. And I pray, Lord, that we start to seek you, not for what you can do, but for who you are, because we need you, Jesus. So may you cover our children. May you cover our finances, our jobs, our futures. And we trust you. Protect your people. Guide them. Shine your light and do what only you can do. We love you and we thank you. In your holy name we pray, amen, amen. Well, church, we love you. Have an amazing week. And again, don't allow your fear to put a barrier between you and God. Lean in and do it scared. We love you. Have a great one.